Good evening and welcome to Valley of Graces, healing our brokenness. Today, we have finally been blessed to reach episode number four, Unhealed Brokenness and Toxic Relationships. I am a work in progress with my issues of perfectionism. And these issues stem from being rejected in three areas as a kid. First of all, I was rejected from being abandoned by my dad at 11 years old. Secondly, I was rejected because of the fact that I looked just like my mom. And when her and my dad were no longer together, uh, it ended up being a situation where I was trauma bonded with her. And so a lot of the energy from trauma and her unhealed areas subconsciously revealed itself in my emotional and mental space. And the third thing that caused me to feel rejected was hearing a teenage girl outside of the church one Sunday afternoon, and she told another teenage girl that she didn't know that my mom was so beautiful, but she didn't know what had happened to me. I have been in therapy for over six and a half years working on my unhealed areas of brokenness and within the last year the Lord has really been speaking to me on dealing with my perfectionism issues. How did perfectionism play out with my children? Because of the toxic relationship with their dad I thought that if I was the perfect everything I could fix our marriage not knowing that we were never going to go back to the beginning stage when he love-bombed me. I had to apologize to my kids within the last three years for possibly causing them to feel rejected due to my own standard of perfectionism and how they behaved, what was expected of them, and how they dressed and appeared to others. When we don't work on our unhealed areas of brokenness, it bleeds all over everywhere and everyone like a faucet. And depending on how bad our brokenness is, not dealing with it can lead to us being the toxic slash personality disordered individual who is unsafe for others to be around. We are all a work in progress. However, toxicity can be determined by patterns of behavior not matching up to what is said on a consistent basis. People who have PTSD and trauma possess a negative charge. And so if a person is personality disorder, they would bring that negative energy into the emotional and mental space of a person who has PTSD or trauma. So what are the signs and the symptoms of being in a toxic relationship? I've got quite a few here that I've noticed over the years, and I will go through them all as to benefit every one of us and to give us red flags, basically, to look out for in our ongoing relationships. Uh, we know that God has not given us the spirit of fear, so not going around living in fear, but we want to exert care and have boundaries uh, going forth in our relationships. 
So here are the signs and the symptoms of being in a toxic relationship or in a relationship with a personality disordered individual. And I am not a mental health professional, nor am I a psychiatrist. However, these are signs and symptoms that I have noticed from over the last 20 years of having to deal with the dynamic, whether it was work, friendships, or in my marriage. These are the signs and symptoms that I noticed, and I hope that they will definitely help someone if they can see uh, for themselves that they are involved with these red flags. The first one is extreme black and white thinking. And basically is judging and criticizing. This type of extreme black and white thinking is constant judging and criticizing other people and using it to deflect from the situation that they are in or from their own behavior. The second one is refusal to take responsibility, blaming others, and refusing to see their part, even if it's the point of 50 people telling that person the same thing. And I do know, just to be fair, uh, it takes a while for the Lord to work on our hearts in certain areas. Just like I said, I have been dealing with perfectionism for years and God really brought it to my attention within the last year. What I'm talking about here is refusing to take responsibility in all areas, not just there being one or two that we have a stronghold in, but this particular person refuses to take responsibility in any area that they are dealing with, okay? They are the victim 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they are the victim. And another sign would be extreme anger and depression, outbursts of rage. And the rage is to the point where the victim is feeling like they are being held hostage indirect patterns of controlling you and it took me a while to be able to catch on to this particular pattern but for example I can help you I will take you to these four places you need to go and by the time we're done with place number two all of a sudden there's an excuse for why place number three and four won't happen so that's one indirect way of controlling you. That's an example. We'll try to openly embarrass you for your shortcomings, your trials, your issues that are close to your heart, which would end up um, causing a lot of constraint on your part, depending upon what the situation is. I had an individual who decided to try to blast me out on the fact that I had been homeless for five weeks. And we all know that's an area of sensitivity. And although the Lord had me to go through that, it's not something that a person who cares about another person would do. So that's basically what I'm trying to get you guys to understand when 
I say openly embarrassing for shortcomings and whatever your trials or issues are. The next thing is splitting. Splitting is in when something is either good, all good, or all bad. And if it's good or bad, it's extremely good or it's extremely bad. It's either one way or the other. And you will know what splitting is because it seems unnatural. When it's overly good, the person leaves you with the feeling that you're missing out on something. It uh, would probably invoke feelings of jealousy on your part and being insecure. And then if it's something that's really bad, that's exaggerated when it comes to splitting, it would leave you with the feeling that, oh, then maybe I'm disgusting if I do this and that or the other. Okay, so that's an example of splitting. And then another symptom would be validating your advice by listening to it, then invalidating by showing through either words or actions that they are not believing you. And then third, invalidating you again where they are siding with the offender or perpetrator. The next thing would be bullying. Then I have pretending to be ignorant or knowledge, unknowledgeable rather about a subject. No social boundaries or social etiquette. It could be the life of the party. We'll drop you like nothing else happened all of a sudden. The relationship is just over with no warning. You call them out on their behavior slash sin and you won't hear from them from anywhere from one to two weeks. The conversation will start out with something that they've done wrong that you want to address. And then that you're left with the problem and feeling guilty because they've gone on over to your areas of sin. Changing your reality by changing dates when things have happened, the order in which they've happened, the feeling in order for them to avoid feelings, to avoid the consequences of their sin and to keep up with their image. Okay. The next thing is that they will test to see how far you will let them go. It's kind of like putting a frog in boiling water and grooming you. If I slap you, let me see if you'll still love me. If I slap you and then insult you, let me see if you'll still love me. I'll slap you, I'll insult you and forget about your birthday or not get you a gift. Let me see if you still love me. If I slap you, insult you, and I give you a gift and then ignore you for three days, let me see if you will still love me. So there's a constant pushing the boundaries to see how far that you will let them go. The next thing is mean and sweet cycles. For example, I abused you for three months. Okay, now let's go on vacation. I slapped you around for four or five months. Okay, here's a beautiful bracelet. And then abuse starts up again and you just keep going through that vicious cycle. Another thing uh, that's a sign of slash symptom would be overly dramatic and fake crying like you're in a theater production. The next thing is steals your identity to the point where something in your gut doesn't feel right. It might not be your identity. It might be someone else that you know, kind of like in a single white female sort of situation. 
constantly trying new things to fill a void that can't be filled. That is a sure sign of symptom of someone who is personality disorder. We all have voids. However, in a toxic or disordered individual, there is just emptiness that exists where childhood wounds have to be worked out and it cannot be filled by people or things. It's a never-ending insatiety that the person feels that they can fill up but will not be able to fill. The woman at the well tried filling her void with men. When she met Jesus, she already had five husbands, and she was on her sixth man, whom she wasn't married to. She initially tried deflecting to take the attention off of her sin, but Jesus wasn't going to let her get by that fast. Jesus fed her in the spirit and truth. And after that, physical thirst no longer became a concern. Next, we have the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She walked around with physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual areas of unhealed brokenness. She also knew if she could just touch the hem of Jesus, she would be made whole. It was her faith in knowing this that was all she needed. And she knew that. In Mark 5, 25 through 34, it tells the story. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought if I could just touch his clothes, I would be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you asked who touched me? But Jesus just kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. When it comes to disordered slash toxic people, they have to want to get professional help. And just as a fair warning, we cannot help toxic people. And I want to repeat it again. We cannot help toxic people. We cannot fix them. We cannot save them. They will destroy us. They will drain you emotionally and literally suck you dry like a vacuum, leaving us with trauma such as PTSD, uh, complex PTSD, and all other type of issues from having that relationship. They have to want to be helped. And this type of help needs to be done by a mental health professional. The scripture has already told us what to do when it comes to sin. So if we are finding ourselves when it comes to a toxic slash disordered individual saying the same thing over and over and over again for years, that is our hint to look at whether or not 
we are following what the scripture has told us, and that would help to give us a guideline of this is the point where I need to get out. In Matthew 18, 15 through 17, it says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, then you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And this is the part where I realized I had gone wrong in that once that person didn't listen and I knew that there were several other people who had talked to that person and this situation had gone on for years, that was my clue to come out and leave the rest to the Lord. I believe these rules are there in Matthew 18, 15 to 17 to help us avoid trying to fix people who don't want to be fixed. Unfortunately, they would rather walk around in pain and miserable and making everyone else miserable because they are in pain than to fix their problem. As the figure of speech goes, hurting people hurt people and they have to be in enough pain in order to change the vicious cycle that they themselves have created from their childhood wounds. I hope that something that was said tonight would be of help to you, and I hope you have a blessed rest of your Sunday. God bless, and we'll catch you next time at Valley of Graces, healing our brokenness. Good night. There's no sense in trying to do it on my own.
never gonna fade away when I see I need more of him. He whispers the sweetest of mercies upon my ears, and I won't go back the way it was again, again. Thank you.